It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. After months of back and forth negotiations with... West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin and the White House really fell apart. Manchin virtually killed President Biden's Build Back Better bill after he announced on Fox News Sunday he will be a definite no when it comes down to a vote on the massive social spending bill. I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. Senator Manchin's decision has drawn criticism from fellow Democrats like New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I think uh, what Senator Manchin did yesterday represents such an egregious breach of the trust of the president. The West Virginia senator has urged lawmakers to focus on growing inflation as Americans approach the Christmas holiday and end of 2021. For more on this and other things, our panel, USA Today Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page and Fox News Congressional Correspondent Chad Pergram. Uh, Chad, you know, I was anchoring and I thought he's going to have news, but I didn't know it was going to be that news. Yeah, and neither did anybody else in Washington, including the White House. I mean, we had gotten these statements, you know, from the White House, uh, even when the president uh, was meeting with Joe Manchin in the early part of last week, that maybe he just wasn't there yet. Uh, They needed some more time to put this bill together, and this might have to, you know, take some massaging to get into January. So, but that was pretty definitive. And then you had all of these liberal Democrats attacking him, basically throwing him under the bus. Uh, They need to be very careful there, the Democrats do, because frankly, they need Joe Manchin more than he needs them. It's a 50-50 Senate, you know, and he does not like some of these strong arm tactics, this hectoring at his boat and and even what they did with Kirsten Sinema going uh, and chasing her into the restroom out in Arizona. Uh, That does not work out too well. The reason I say this is that in, in 2001, We had a 50-50 Senate, and Jim Jeffords was a Republican senator, and he felt as though he was pushed just a little bit too hard by the Republicans who had the de facto majority. He became an independent, and then at that point, Jim Jeffords uh, shoved the Senate over to the control of the Democrats. It was a a Democratic Senate for the remainder of that Congress. Susan, that is the indication that we're getting kind of through Steve Clemens uh, with The Atlantic, who's believed to be pretty close to Joe Manchin, uh, wrote as much that that was his thinking. And and then the White House's response and that Jen Psaki statement was really kind of eye opening for a lot of folks. You know, the White House statement was stunning. It was a sign that they didn't know this was coming. And it was a sign that they fired back because they were mad, not thinking ahead. You know, today at her briefing, Jen Psaki tried to pull back some saying that 
that President Biden and Joe Manchin are old friends and stay that way. But there has been some, the scorched earth that they cut yesterday uh, does not grow back immediately. It makes it harder to come to some kind of smaller deal. You know, traditionally in Washington, what would happen now is the Democrats would get together, figure out what is the most they could pass with Manchin support and go about and do that. That is not a guarantee at this point because tempers are so inflamed. Well, what is the next step, Chad? I mean, one would think that there is leeway here. I mean, Manchin is not saying he's opposed to everything in the bill. He could do it. You could do a child tax credit for 10 years. The, the problem they have is there's only one bullet in the reconciliation gun. In other words, they only have one more time. They could do it with 50 votes. So they kind of have to come up with something uh, for that one time. Right. And this is where some people have talked about maybe doing this piecemeal. It's unclear what could pass there. Would progressives uh, turn around and say, oh, we want, you know, the whole enchilada, either it's all or nothing. We don't know. Uh, You're right. But that would take some time to figure that out. They would have to go with 60 votes and pluck off 10 Republicans if they did it that way. And you could probably only see a handful maybe six, seven Republicans at best on any one of these proposals. So you're right, budget reconciliation. You know, I always say that making legislation, passing law, it's not like sausage. It's more like making wine. And you only get really good legislative weather every so often. And you make this big, rich Bordeaux because you've gotten the rain and the sun at the right time. And when you don't have those circumstances, you make table wine or you might not make wine at all. And so (laughs) the question is, how much wine, how much table wine could they possibly make here? But here's the real problem is that the Democrats appear regardless to have overpromised to their base when you have these narrow majorities just you know, three, four votes in the House, a 50-50 Senate, and the base was expecting all these big things. They did get a lot done legislatively. The COVID bill back in March uh, passed a lot of judges. Uh, they got the infrastructure bill done. But these, these, this is the problem here. And, and, and as I've always said, it's, it's people like Joe Manchin, the moderates in the party, who direct the policy. It's the liberals who direct, you know, where this is going politically. And those two things don't align right now. And that is the inherent problem for the Democratic Party. It's a good thing that there is a congressional recess right now, because (laughs) I'll tell you, there would be some pretty angry conversations echoing through the marble halls of Congress at Christmas time. They were promising a French Bordeaux, but they've got Ripple right now. They do not have anything uh, approaching uh, that, that fine wine. Guys, let's hold it right there. We'll continue after this. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Susan, as big a deal as a legislative stall is and trying to figure out next steps now that we know where Manchin is, the COVID thing seems almost bigger as far as not only uh, for the threat of Americans, obviously, around the country, but also politically for Biden. Oh, yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, this is a the mansion and the stalling of the Build Back Better Act. That's a big defeat, at least at the moment for the White House. But the surge in COVID cases, the fact that we're seeing new mask mask mandates being put back in place, people are now canceling sporting events, Broadway shows, plans to get together with the family at Christmas. That is a bigger problem for this White House because, you know, if you look at the issues that lined up in 2020, it was concern about COVID that was most responsible for giving, putting Joe Biden into the White House. His promise to get the 
pandemic under control is the issue on which his presidency will be judged. And we've had some promising moments. We did last uh, early summer. It looked like things were going well. That has just been washed away first by the Delta variant, now by the Omicron variant. And we don't know whether this is going to be another devastating wave or something short of that. But that is job one for the White House. It is even more important than this domestic agenda. Yeah, I mean, Chad, I talked to people who've done everything they've been asked to do. They got all the vaccines. They got the boosters. Now they have family who followed all of that and are getting Omicron. And they're trying to go to holiday gatherings and they can't find tests at CBS or anyplace else. I mean, it's it's a big logistical thing that eventually is going to reverberate politically. I mean, if yeah, Trump was getting so much grief for where he was um, fairly or unfairly, unfairly, but over COVID. And, you know, you go back to that tweet as Joe Biden, a candidate, any president who sees 220,000 deaths needs not be president anymore. We're at 800,000 plus, And now we are starting to see the country shut down in places. And that's a big deal. Harold McMillan, the British prime minister, famously was asked, what's the most important factor in politics? And he said events. Well, again, we have another event here with Omicron. You know, one thing that uh, was brought to my attention over the weekend is if uh, the Democrats uh, spending bill, the social spending bill goes sideways. Maybe this actually reinvigorates the Democrats to pass something along those lines if this next wave of COVID is really that bad. Uh, That's the first thing. You know, sometimes that can dictate where the legislation goes, that that becomes kind of the de facto COVID bill because you need health care coverage and and issues. You need certain uh, things there with family leave and medical leave. That's a a key part of this uh, piece of legislation. You know, the other thing, too, is that uh, and I've asked this question and I don't have a really good answer here on Capitol Hill is how did they spend six trillion dollars on covid last year and early this and not have a better testing regime home tests and all that nobody has a good answer for me on that when that seems to be the case the the ease of testing in this pandemic i think it's a huge issue and i think cdc I, i heard another network asking dr fauci about it i don't think they have a good answer Uh, Susan, and that's really going to be a story down the road. As you look ahead here, as we get through the holidays into January, is that the focus, the biggest story? COVID trumps everything else. Uh, You get get COVID under control, and then inflation may be the thing that everyone is talking about. But it is, I think it is impossible to focus in a sustained way on healthcare or the economy or education or Afghanistan or anything else when you have a pandemic that seems to be rising crossing the country, causing enormous devastation, upending everyone's plans. All right. Well, thank you both. Uh, Here's a bit of U.S. history. On December 23rd, 1986, an experimental aircraft called the Rutan Model 76 Voyager landed at Edwards Air Force Base in California, becoming the first plane to make a nonstop flight around the world without refueling. In order to have space for enough fuel, the Voyager was essentially a flying fuel tank with every area used for storage, including the wings. It took the Voyager nine days, over 25,000 miles to reach California with only five gallons of fuel left. It's now on permanent display at the National Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Susan and Chad, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.